Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams profiles Stephen Ives, leading the YMCA of Greater Houston, one of the largest Ys in the nation, and one of the most innovative. Steve, go ahead and tell me about yourself and your background. I'm the current CEO of the YMCA of Greater Houston, but I've been with the YMCA for 35 years. Started in Maine as a part-time lifeguard and found myself as a CEO of a small Y in Southern Maine for 11 years and then 10 years in Lawrence, Massachusetts, three and a half years in Columbus, Ohio, and now here in Houston for the past three years. But about 28 years of being in the CEO role within the YMCA and um, now really loving being part of Houston. Married for 33 years and I've got uh, two grown daughters, one in LA and one in Boston. Tell me about how you went from lifeguard to CEO. What was that journey like? (laughs) I was ambitious. I think as a young 22-year-old, I believed I could and should run the place, as some of us have a tendency to be like. I had my pitfalls and um, challenges along that path as the first three full-time jobs I applied for weren't fits. There were people with more experience, but over time, got a chance to prove myself and be in leadership positions. And once I was there, quickly grew in up and through the ranks of that particular Y in Portland, Maine. And it was About seven years into my time in the YMCA that a neighboring YMCA went into a management agreement with our YMCA. And under that management agreement, I was appointed as the exec with the hope and anticipation I would become the CEO if all worked out. And fortunately for me and for that community, all worked out. What's kept you at the YMCA for as long as you've been there? Well, it's this really fascinating mix of social impact, social service, some Christian values and business. And I found out early on in my career that that was really what I was looking for. I grew up in a family where my father, my grandfather, and my uncle all were Methodist ministers. There was a lot in me that made me wonder if I I might become a pastor and serve the church in a way. And what I found at the YMCA was a way to really mix the entrepreneurial spirit, the opportunity to innovate, to grow things under more of a business model but still have those same values being part of what I was about, what I was doing in community. Speaking of the business community, what do you feel the wise role is within it? Within the business community, our role is to really link the social interests of businesses and community leaders, and I would say employees of businesses with the opportunities to serve and make a difference. But also instead of just relying entirely on philanthropy, we run our own business, which is our membership and our program fee-for-service initiatives so that we're not 100% reliant on philanthropy. We actually have an enterprise that fuels much of what we do, and then we're able to build upon that really in what's called a social enterprise. So we'll be able to build upon that with grants, government funding, and philanthropy to hopefully, you know, in the best of all worlds, we're accelerating work that's needed in community in partnership with others. When we chatted the other day, you mentioned that one of your bigger roles, I believe, in the Ohio area was to implement a lot of innovation. Can you tell me about some of the innovations that you had implemented up there? Yeah. So in Ohio, when I was there, we were very much involved in the housing work and the whole idea of ending homelessness. And I was actively involved with a group of innovative individuals finding ways to help people move from homelessness to home very quickly 
And that might be, you know, rapid rehousing. It might be more support and counseling along the way, but really changing the community's mindset around that. We also had some business model innovations we were working on there, some of which have translated to my time here in Houston. But the primary way in which we grew the Y footprint in Ohio was through municipal partnerships. We had several in my three years there. We had two new Ys get built and and established really in partnership with municipalities who wanted the recreation, wanted the fitness, wellness components in their community, wanted a Y-like experience, and were able to generate local funds through their tax base to be able to build out a facility and then have the Y be the managing partner. So those were some creative, innovative ways to build a Y that didn't require us to borrow money or to uh, go out and do all of the fundraising and wait for that to happen before we could build a community. We also began working on a whole concept, which has now become impact membership, which is the idea that people can be members of the YMCA even if they'll never use a gym. And that's something that's really blossomed and begun to grow here in Houston. And so how have you implemented some of those strategies that you brought back from your previous time at the Y? So when we were shut down due to COVID here, we had all of our YMCA shut down as well as our school programs closed. And, you know, this whole idea of leaning in where you need it most in community, I'll start there. So for us, that moment in time was March of 2020 when we looked around and realized we had a website. We had no buildings we could use, most schools we could go into, but there was extraordinary need in the community. We were able to form a partnership with the Greater Houston Food Bank to deploy a few hundred of our staff members into the food bank. So we were able to rapidly deploy staff there because we put them back on our, kept them on our payroll and just assigned them there, which allowed the food bank to ramp up very quickly in that moment of need to be able to distribute at the level that was wanted and needed in the community at that time and also to have the back office administration. So we had lifeguards, we had program directors, fitness wellness directors, some working in the call center at the food bank, some in, in production inside the production area and some out in the on the streets, in the field, delivering and providing food in trunks of cars. So it was really that mindset around when you're wanted, when you're needed, be there. One of the reputations we got when I was in Columbus, Ohio, was the why they're the we'll figure it out organization. And we really applied that same mentality to the issues that we were facing here in Houston, along with when the shutdown happened. But we also took advantage of that opportunity to build out a whole virtual digital strategy to focus on what we had. Our open branch, if you will, was our website. So we focused on that. We've completely revamped that as a way of telling our story and in addition to being able to help people find services and opportunities. And then we also built out a virtual experience. So we had instructors who were once inside the gym or inside the fitness studio teaching classes, now teaching them in front of a camera and delivering those to our members during that time. That's an ongoing thing that is available still, but it has also helped us to reach out to our seniors in a pretty powerful way. Our seniors really enjoyed the Zoom gatherings that we put together. They've enjoyed some of the mindfulness and breathing uh, exercises that we've been teaching them uh, through the virtual platform so that they can manage their stress and navigate through some of the challenges that they're that they're facing. And then lastly, this whole idea of impact membership. So. We launched it during in, in full force uh, during 2020 and then implemented it even more deeply in 2021. There is now an impact membership. We have about 7,000 families, households that have 
uh, participated in that, and that's their opportunity to be a member of the YMCA, whether they're going to use the gym or not. And then at the moment when they're interested in using the gym or other programs, be able to buy up from that. That didn't exist before, and it hasn't really existed in any Y across the country because we've been so tethered to our past the way we always were, which was, you know, it's one membership for all and it's one fee that includes all of our services. So we've taken advantage of this disruption and this opportunity to innovate around that and to create a really different, unique experience on this. At the same time, we've set our brand and we've told the, told the community we're not a place, we're a purpose in an attempt to, in people's minds and hearts to, uh, Although we've got great facilities, we're always going to have terrific opportunities inside our buildings for membership program and connections. We aren't just a place. We are a purpose. And we've been repeating that. We'll continue to repeat that. I actually have people tell me that. They've seen that. They understand that. They really appreciate that about how we've repositioned the YMCA in our community. Tell me about some of the misconceptions about the Y. You know, some people think that it's just a gym and a swim because that's all they've known. They grew up going to play basketball or they were involved in swim lessons or they've really enjoyed the fitness center. And when you really look under the hood or peel back the first layer, you can see that it's much more than that. So this why here in Houston in the 70s stepped into a hole in the community and that was the ability to resettle refugees at the time, people coming here from Vietnam. And it's, uh, it's really been become a whole division of our work called our International Services Division, which helps resettle refugees, but also works with people who are escaping human trafficking. Most people wouldn't have think of that as a service delivered by the YMCA. We happen to do it because we're good at it and because we were asked to step into that hole back in the 70s and we've continued to do that. We've collaborated and partnered with several other agencies. There's four of us that have committed to resettling thousands of Afghan allies. So we are at the, on the front lines, staffing up the, and delivering ways for Afghan allies who are coming here to resettle here in our community, but also integrate and become contributory citizens as quickly as possible. Most people don't think that that's part of the why. So I think the misconception is, is that, oh, it's a nice gym. Some will think of it as, depending on their experience, as a gym for just people who can pay, and some will consider it as a gym that is just for maybe lower income people. And we're none of that, but we're all of that. We are a place where people who want a high-end, extraordinary experience that also has purpose to it, to be part of their fitness and wellness and family development. And we are also a place that's accessible to all. The Impact membership is a pathway and avenue on to make it more accessible. But we also have this great you know, way in which we provide financial assistance. So you asked about business community. Business community provides philanthropic support. The YMCA turns that into subsidized slots in every single one of our programs, be it summer camp, the resident camp up in Trinity called Camp Cullen, or our youth programs or full membership use of the facilities as a family. Yeah, and so like my primary, you know, for me personally, the most I knew about the Y was basically like uh, the gyms and, and, you know, pools and stuff. So in what ways are you trying to extend the wise reach to let others know about, you know, the different programs that it has? Well, there's the talking about it and there's the doing it. So changing our messaging, you know, adopting this, not a place, a purpose mantra. Our website tells a great story about purpose and impact and the breadth of programs. 
but we're also actively out there. And a lot of people don't know that we're in multiple apartment complexes where we have staff deployed every day to, to be there for youth in the after school hours to support families, uh, provide uh, social services if needed to some of the families in those apartment complexes. We're in partnership on a number of uh, community centers where the YMCA is the program provider in that community center. It's not our building, doesn't have our logo on it, but we're there and in schools. So there's 25 or more locations across the area where we're providing free after-school experiences for young people in those kinds of locations, in addition to the wraparound services, summer camp, and support for families. To me, that's the way that we truly behave into this, not a place of purpose. We're beyond our core facilities and expanding out there. And then lastly, with a couple hundred schools that we're in every day after school where our staff are providing a quality after-school enrichment program that enhances and expands the educational experience and personal growth experience for young people. Several thousand young people every, every week in school systems across the area. What are some of the challenges that you're facing at the Y? Well, certainly the shutdown from COVID changed people's behavior. So the volume of fitness-based or full, full pay membership while it's coming back very strongly, it's, it's fairly slow. We, we went to about half of what we were. I think if you look around the quote-unquote gym industry, you'll see it's been hit pretty hard. Everybody believes it's going to recover. We believe it will, will recover. But um, the challenge we have is being able to maintain uh, our, ourselves through all of that and continue to be able to do great work and great service in the community. Our image is something that has been a challenge, but we've made some tremendous progress on it. We did an initial brand study around uh, how people perceive organizations in the community. One of the questions we asked is, what's the organization that's doing the best serving the critical needs of the community? Our first study, less than 3% named the Y, and just this past year, more than 10%, it was almost 11%, said the Y is doing the best job of all the organizations we know. So. We know that it's a long uphill battle and, and project to change the perception in people's minds. So we're still at that. We're gonna to continue to do that and doing the best we can to deliver as many services as possible while the business model of the core membership recovers. How are you trying to overcome those challenges? Well, certainly the impact membership is a piece of it. You know, it's a way to have a launch pad into full membership for those who want it and also expand the market to people who might not ever use a gym. Technically, about 25% of an adult population anywhere will be the ones that actually use a gym. So we're trying to change the mindset of what it means to be a member of the YMCA beyond just uh, in, transactional and use of a gym. So that's a key component. Our marketing communication, the way we deliver service, we've got a huge focus on quality of member experience and follow through with members to keep them engaged we know that members that come into our fold, or we call it come into our hug and actually meet a staff person, meet another person, feel the love and compassion from us. Uh, when they have that experience and, and we're at our best, they stick with us for a long time and both support us and support their own personal journey and growth. Stephen Ives joining us. In our next segment, he shares the challenges he and his team are facing when Texas Business Minds continues. At Texas Mutual Insurance Company, we celebrate the workers who keep your business growing strong. 
They're a vital part of our community, and we're proud to be on the job with 1.5 million of them every day. More at TexasMutual.com slash on the job. Continuing our conversation with YMCA of Greater Houston CEO, Stephen Ives. I've heard nonprofits across the area, probably even nationwide, I would imagine nationwide, are having trouble finding employees. Is that something that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, we've got those very same challenges of any service industry, if you will, that, you know, it was like all the service industries got shut down. So restaurants, bars, YMCA's, gyms, uh, similar kinds of jobs, types of jobs. This is customer or people facing service delivering jobs. And I liken it to a, a car stopped on the highway. Everything slowed down and it is backed up. Eventually, I expect it to catch up because what happened was we all, all at once, we all shut down 100% and then all at once tried to open up and it just was too much for the system. So I expect that that will balance out and level out over time. But yes, that's absolutely a challenge for us. It caused us to go a little bit slower with the opening and, and rebuilding of some of our initiatives. And how are you like kind of tackling those challenges? Well, we elevated our entry-level minimum wage for uh, people back in January, up to $15 an hour. We knew that that was going to be a requirement to, just to be in the game. So we're there. And I think that has, that has helped a bit. I think just continue to position ourselves as a purpose-driven organization. Most studies or research around employee, uh, I guess, well-being and engagement and stick-to-itiveness, if you will, in terms of how long they stick around, has to do some with money, but more so with having a voice. We're, we're building out a whole initiative which will launch in the next week, which is a deeper engagement from our direct line staff and from our, our leadership staff beyond our, you know, our central core senior leadership team, uh, actual engagement in the planning and the visioning for the future of our YMCA coming out of COVID. I think the more people are able to feel like they're part of something, the more likely they are to have great satisfaction from their work. And that translates into how other people experience them. And then ultimately how loyal people are and how long they stick around with the line. So it should be a, it, it, it should feed itself over time. Obviously the pandemic has had like a huge impact on every industry in the world, but if there was any good that came out of it, what would you say that was for the why? Well, we got very focused and real about who we are and telling that story. So I, I shared earlier the, elevation of our brand. I think that moved much more quickly than it would have um, had we not had this massive interruption that, that really forced our hands and, be, and focusing on that and our website. That's a, that's a positive outcome. Our ability to move forward, this new idea, this new concept of an impact membership certainly was helped by the disruption. And we've been able to take a good hard look at our core services and how we work. I think it's yet to be fully delivered. It's like how are we going to be uh, as an organization post-COVID? We're getting to do some real soul-searching that it would have been harder had we not had that interruption. Definitely. You mentioned some uh, digital outreach earlier in the chat, and uh, I was kind of curious, is that something that you intend to keep going forward? Yeah, we'll still have virtual classes and access to virtual programs. I think that's part of the mix that is expected, wanted, and needed. So proud that we're able to build that out and it's now available as part of the I say menu of engagement opportunities. That's the virtual programming, but the I think 
opportunities to engage with the public and our members via Zoom didn't exist pre-COVID or it was, it may have been there, but it wasn't something that was so much part of the norm. So I think there's a great opportunity for us to uh, be able to have people be part of the experience without having to walk into a building. I think that's going to be really helpful for us in engaging people and building community within the community, which is when the wise at its best, that's what's happening. I think the digital outreach, our ability, our, our skill set and technical ca- capacity to communicate with and market to directly to certain subsets of the community via the digital platform and then test how useful that was and how impactful that was has really changed the way in which we market. And I think that'll certainly be uh, part of our future. Something that I just remembered uh, the other day when we were at lunch, you mentioned that the Y just built out like an outdoor kind of gym area. Can you talk about that? Or Thank you for reminding me to speak of that because it is another outcome of, of COVID. We had plans up in spring to build a full facility YMCA and we were, had raised some money pre-COVID and we're going forward with it. And then with the halt that happened and the business interruption that we experienced, we were able to talk to the donors and the funders about a what if. And the what if is we, instead of building a building and then adding outdoor venues, we start with the outdoor venues and work our way into it. And perhaps there'd be an interest in, you know, a, a different group of people being part of an organization outdoor. And this is really born out of the building of pavilions at a number of our YMCAs during 2020 and uh, moving more programming outdoors. And those those pavilions have your great blockage from the sun, big fans to keep air moving when you need to, and great surfaces to operate on, you know, real pleasant experience out there. So they're versatile. We can do family programs. We can do youth sports programs. We can do group exercise classes in the outdoors. So we started a new Y with outdoor venues only, and it's, it's called the Holcomb YMCA. It's in spring. We just opened it. There's a big a covered pavilion, and we put a sports field in. But we also use shipping containers repurposed for some of the spaces and are experimenting with a I'll call it an indoor-outdoor, but mostly outdoor fitness center. So it's covered. It's got great turf flooring. It's got the, the, the free weight racks, but everything goes inside the container. The repurposed shipping containers at night gets pulled back out. The doors come up, and so there's indoor-outdoor experience that's got some cardio equipment, but also some free weight equipment. And it's really designed so that we can do more classes Uh, We can do personal training, small group personal training. We have our group exercise programming program that happens in the pavilion outdoors and an open sort of grassy area for social gatherings. So it's going to be a very different approach, same concept, fitness, wellness, recreation, families, draw people together, build relationships and strengthen community, but with a different tool. And the cost of the build out for that was a third or less of what it costs us to build a full facility. So our hope and expectation is this will be a a new model that we can apply to other parts of the community where um, it's gonna take a little while for us to be able to build out enough of a membership base to support a full facility. That was super fascinating. I was curious, like, are there any other whys like that around the country? Not that I'm aware of that are starting with the outdoor venues and pavilions with an intent and expectation to grow into more of a full facility. Is that something that you kind of shared with the other wise? Is that, or is that a possibility? <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've, 
obviously we're we have a tight network of YMCA's across the country, and so people have been many Y's across the country have been experimenting with new ways of being in connection and in service to the community, and this is one of those that we had quite a quite a lot of attention and interest and intrigue, and I think people will watch and see how that works out for us. Early signs are terrific. We've already got 500 membership units, which represents about 1,500 people. We had 150 or so kids involved in the first sports program that we ran up there, and some good energy and excitement around that. We're already in the fundraising phase to build out the next phase, which will be a large outdoor pool. Nice, that sounds awesome. And uh, I guess finally, what's next for you and the why? So for me, I've gotten this fantastic opportunity through a request by the mayor to be part of policing and police reform here in Houston. And we're one of the largest cities in the country, largest police departments, and right in the mix with it as a community leader. And I just think it's going to be exciting to be part of community strengthening in that way, in addition to all the other good work that we do, but to be truly involved and engaged in partnership with solving a pretty significant, if not the most significant issue to be solved for our community, people's sense of safety and trust in policing. So I've taken on chairmanship of the Independent Police Oversight Board, and it's just been a fascinating journey, and I've gotten to be part of and participate in and influence the transformational efforts underway within the Houston Police Department and looking forward to working very closely with the mayor on that as well as the One Safe Houston initiative, which is really important to our community, while at the same time growing and building out our local YMCA and local YMCA facilities to have deeper and broader impact within the community. And I think that, you know, on a larger scale, you asked about misconceptions about the why, you know, many times people think there's one why for the country. There isn't. There are 800 of us and we're all part of a federation. And one of the great pieces of that is that we get to be locally owned and operated and uh, don't have a whole lot of things that we're required to do programmatically or, or operationally. But one of the downfalls of that is that it's really hard for us to work as a collective. So it's uh, on a national level. It's something that I'm hopeful that what I'm learning in this local community through my work with policing and with other partnerships, I talked about the Afghan allies resettlement, will be able to be translated into a, a larger collective impact of YMCA's across the country. We have 800 Ys across the country. We have a YMCA facility within a 10 minute drive of 80% of the US population. If we figured that out, I think the collective nationwide impact we could have would be extraordinary. Well, Steve, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you having a chance to, to chat with me again. Thanks for the opportunity to participate and for your great questions and for helping us to advance and tell the story about the great work our Y is doing. I'm really proud to be part of it after all these years and especially proud to be part of the Houston community. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals. And brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.